Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. It's a sweep by the Kansas City Royals. It's KC6, the Cleveland Guardians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. But fortunately, a 2 o'clock game on a Wednesday, I, you know, I was bragging a little bit about how I got to enjoy the game on Monday because I was working from home, but uh, not this one. I was running around doing things all day, and uh, it was a very busy afternoon, so I, I didn't I didn't get to watch this one. I, I, I checked in on it. I disappointedly uh, saw we were down, and uh, the few times I was able to flip it on on my phone, we were not making a comeback. So uh, watched all the highlights, got caught up, and uh, yeah, it's... It is disappointing to get swept by the Kansas City Royals at this point in the season, but I mean our 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 elimination number is down to one. Like it's we are literally playing out the string here. We are we are pretty much cooked. And uh, yeah, uh, when you show up like this and you get swept by the Kansas City Royals, it's uh, it's pretty obvious that your team is cooked. That you're not going to the postseason. So unfortunately, uh, we still have a chance to play spoiler against Baltimore and uh, Cincinnati coming up. Uh, I mean, Baltimore is fighting for their division title, and we, in a four-game set, ha- can have a huge effect on that. Uh, we we pretty much control the destiny of the American League East in our hand. Uh, if we step it up and, you know, and come at Baltimore uh, and do it to them what we did to the Texas Rangers... And then it might be the Tampa Bay Rays winning that division. And if we roll over and uh, lay down like we did against the Kansas City Royals and uh, let Baltimore walk all over us, then the Baltimore Orioles are walking away with that American League, uh, hanging that American League East Championship banner. Uh, and the same thing with Cincinnati. Cincinnati's like a game out of the wild card race in uh, uh, in the National League. So that two-game set is probably going to be pretty big. Um with them fighting for their playoff lives. And then finally, we get a three-game set against Detroit where I guess we get to battle for the consolation prize in the American League Central, right? I I still would rather finish ahead of them in the standings. Uh, I don't want to have to hear from Detroit fans who have passed us in the standings um, thinking that, ooh, we're, you know, we're going to get you next year. No, Detroit is a long way away because uh, of pitching. We, we are much, much closer uh, to writing this ship than Detroit is. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we can at least go out and prove it in the final uh, set of the uh, of the season. So let's get into the storylines in this one. Uh, not not a lot, not a lot to be proud of. Not a lot. It's it's never great to start off by giving up a three run home run uh, to the first four batters that you face on the day for Lucas Giolito. Uh, Errors did not help on this day. The Guardians uh, commit three errors on the day. So, uh, you know, that's definitely not helping their cause. Um, but uh, Nelson Velasquez has uh, got a little pop. That uh, that 935 OPS, he's got a little pop. And uh, especially when you fall behind and you leave a pitch where Lucas Giolito left this pitch. Um, after uh, Mikel Garcia gets on... With a, a leadoff line drive to left field, which Will Brennan misplays, and uh, Garcia advances to second. 
Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, would then uh, reach on a throwing error by Jose Tena. So that's not good. Two errors already to start things. Uh, that's not good. Runners on the corner. Uh, he does get MJ Melendez to pop out the third base. Man, they were being really aggressive. Swinging on the first pitch for Mikel Garcia. Swinging on the second pitch for Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, Melendez swinging on the first pitch changeup. And then Nelson Vasquez finally shows some patience. He misses with a high fastball. He uh, misses with a low changeup. He throws another changeup in the dirt. Now he's in a 3-0 count. He's got to throw a strike. But Nelson Velasquez was not going to wait around. Uh, frankly, I don't know why more hitters don't do this. On a 3-0 count, he gets, I mean, just the most perfect batting practice home run derby fastball. And absolutely launches it at 105.3 miles per hour, 420 feet out to left field. I mean, he unloads on this thing. It was a 91 mile per hour fastball. It was dead middle, slightly elevated, and he just unloads on this thing. So, uh, Giolito's got uh, no one to blame for himself for the three run home run right? Uh, obviously, his teammates did not do him any favors by setting up this inning, but uh, falling behind to their big power hitter and then just throwing a meatball right down the middle, uh, you got no one to blame but yourself for that. And Giolito uh, would go on to have an okay day. I mean, after giving up the three-run home run, uh, they would get another run off him on the fourth inning. But, uh, you know, he goes five and a third, gives up seven hits, four runs, only three earned. Does have three walks on this one. Um, do any of the walks come back to bite him? Was one of the runs scored in the fourth inning via walk? No, it was a double and a single. So none of the walks actually come back to actually bite him, to actually cross the plate. Everybody hit their way on uh, who score a run. He does have six strikeouts in this one, threw 105 pitches, but was only hard hit six times. And you have to wonder if that top of the first had just gone differently. If they don't commit those errors, does it change things, right? I mean, you could, you could in theory say that if Brennan doesn't misplay the ball, then Garcia doesn't go up to second, then Bobby Witt Jr.'s ground ball isn't a throw to first by Tanya. Instead, it's a double play attempt. Like, I, you know... Uh, if things don't go down the way they went down in that first inning, who knows if Giolito has such a bad outing. I was trying to look at the difference between last game, because obviously last game he dominated against the Texas Rangers. Last game he went seven innings. He had the seven, uh, 12, sorry, seven innings. We had the 12 strikeouts, only gave up two hits, only one hard hit ball. I mean, just absolutely dominating. And I was trying to look at the difference between these two games here. Uh, looking at the illustrator, things are pretty similar. Similar. Uh, the only thing I could say is that he was keeping everything really tight, working north and south, up and down the strike zone. And uh, even when he was throwing that changeup below the strike zone, he was still keeping it over the plate. There weren't too many pitches where he expanded the strike zone. Maybe that, that slider off the plate, he got him to chase a couple times. But for, his, for the fastball and the changeup, it was pretty north and south against the Texas Rangers. He would do that in this game against Kansas City, but he would miss 
wide off the plate with that changeup a decent amount of times. Enough times that it, it definitely changes the whiff rate, uh, changes the amount of called strikes he got on that pitch. Uh, so that is a bit of a difference there. Um, going to the count breakdown, I'm just curious if he did anything different there against Texas than he did against Kansas City. Um, and Texas, it was, it was a decent mix of pitches. Uh, against Texas. Remember in that game, uh, he was really using all three pitches uh, when he got ahead in the count. When he fell behind, he was going mostly changeup. And it was kind of the same thing in this. If he did get ahead, he was using all three pitches. Uh, and if he fell behind, yeah, he was going to that uh, going to that changeup. Of course, the one fastball on 3-0, which did not work out well for him. So similar, uh, similar pitch mix there as far as count breakdown goes. Going to his uh, player breakdown page, that's where you can, uh, I mean, that's where the most obvious difference is between his great start last time and this one where he, you know, he kind he kind of struggles in this one. It's, it's not his best. It's not his worst, but it's not his best. Um, it, but similar pitch mix, he threw the changeup the most against the Rangers uh, 47% of the time. In this one, he threw the changeup 43% of the time, the most of any pitch. Then the fastball, then a few, then sliders, a decent amount of sliders. Same thing in his start against Texas. It was fastballs next, and then a decent amount of sliders. It's just he had a 35% whiff rate against the Rangers. This one, he's only got a 21% whiff rate. Uh, against the Rangers, they only put 10 balls in play against him. In this one, they put 17 balls in play against him. Uh, that changeup, uh, when they were going outside of the zone, which didn't happen too often, but when they did, they had a 33% contact rate. In the zone, they had a 69% contact rate. The Texas Rangers did when he struck out 12 of them. So uh, pretty pretty spectacular there on the changeup. This one, in the zone, the Kansas City Royals had an 82% contact rate against that changeup. And the few times they went out of the zone... They had an 83% contact rate. So, I mean, he just really could not get the swing and miss on that changeup. So, uh, you know, that is some of the difference right there uh, between a great Lucas Giolito start and a pretty blah, a pretty meh Lucas Giolito start uh, in this loss to the Kansas City Royals. The other things going on in this game uh, I thought was interesting. Uh, I think the fourth inning is just like the perfect example of bat bip, batting average balls in play, uh, and how sometimes it can be described as how lucky a hitter is. Because I frankly, uh, Andres Jimenez does have a, you know an RBI hit here uh, in the fourth inning, and then in the bottom of the fourth, Bobby Witt Jr. would have an RBI hit. They would both be singles through the infield, but they're just completely different swings with completely different approaches and uh, they both get the run across but I just I thought it was interesting here whereas Andres Jimenez's is the perfect example of how Bapip can show uh the luck of a hitter uh Bobby Witts Jr's is you know showing uh much more of a plan much more of an approach from a hitter and uh, kind of the opposite of that, how uh, you can use a ground ball through the infield effectively uh, if you come up with a plan. So Andres Jimenez, uh, with Naylor and Loriano on, um, works a seven-pitch at-bat. But the final pitch of the at-bat, he's 
if frankly it's a two two count still so he hasn't even worked it to a full count yet on it he so he's clearly been following off some things off the plate uh granky is trying to just stay away 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 lots of change-ups in this finally throws him a fastball off the plate and this is a good this is a good inch or two off the plate outside and uh Instead of trying to go the opposite way with it, Jimenez rolls over on it, but he's lucky enough to kind of get it in between the second baseman and the shortstop who was shading him up the middle. He finds that hole. He only hits it at 92.1 miles per hour. Uh, All right, it's decent contact, but it only had an expected batting average of 180 because it was kind of a weak chopper that just finds that gap. Uh, between second base and the shaded shortstop who is shaded up the middle. So he just finds a lucky spot on the infield. A little bit more left, a little bit more right. This thing is gobbled up. They're not scoring a run. And uh, yeah, so Jimenez just, he gets lucky. So, you know, trying to pull a fastball that far off the plate, you're not usually going to have much success trying to pull that pitch. Yeah, you could try to fire it back up the middle or shoot it the other way. But this fastball is pretty far off the plate for Jimenez to try to get around and pull this thing. So, uh, but it gets through. And that's the bat bit of it, right? Like, it increases his batting average on balls in play. And uh, you can see how that is a reflection of how lucky he was that this thing made it through. Now, on the other side of things, Bobby Wood Jr. comes up. And he's got Drew Waters on, who had doubled. And uh, Giolito throws him two fastballs right down the middle. The first one's a little bit down and away, and he gets a called strike on. The next one is pretty much middle-middle. And Bobby Wood Jr. stays back on it and shoots it into right field, hits it at 105.1 miles per hour, and it had a 470 expected batting average. So this is someone with a plan. This is someone who looks like they were trying to hit to right field, sat back on it, kept his hands back, and uh, hit it with authority to right field. Uh, didn't just flick it out there. Didn't just reach for an outside pitch and uh, bloop it over Josh Naylor's head or anything like that. He sat back and he fired a missile out there into right field. It was on the ground, but it was still a missile at 105.1 miles per hour. So, uh, you know, both of these guys increased their batting average on balls in play. But one guy got really lucky, Andres Jimenez, and drove in a run. The other guy, Bobby Witt Jr., came up with a plan and hit it with authority. And uh, the end result is the same. But I just I, what a difference in two at-bats in the same inning there. Both of these are in the fourth inning. I don't know. I just I found it interesting. Uh, and uh, that's, why, uh, that's why the stat like BatBip exists uh, to kind of analyze things like this. Be like, oh, okay, uh, you know, this is what his batting average is, but when he's putting the ball in play, uh, this is what his batting average is. So, uh, yeah, they trade runs there in the fourth inning. Uh, Miles Strong also had a sack fly. Uh, frankly, at 4-2, to two, I thought the Guardians could maybe have a chance of climbing back in this one. A late rally, maybe. Um uh, Tyler Freeman had doubled. I think this is one of the times I got to check in on my phone. In the seventh inning, Tyler Freeman had doubled. I thought, all right, maybe there's something. David Fry gets the pinch hit. Because this lineup did not, does not inspire a lot of confidence to start off. I mean, Miles Straw batting seventh. I- I'm glad Tana's getting some at-bats. But then Cam Gallagher hitting ninth. It's like, why? Why, when you have a 
backup catcher who's got a 704 OPS. I know in limited at-bats, but that's your fault for giving him limited at-bats. Why are you starting the guy with a 338 OPS? When you got a guy hitting 704 OPS sitting on your bench who can play catcher. Why? So, yeah, I mean, we got Straw 8, Straw 7, Tana 8, and then Gallagher 9th. I don't expect that to turn into any runs. And it doesn't turn into any runs, shockingly. So, I mean, once Granky's out of the game and they go to Zerpa, uh, he brings in Tyler Freeman. He brings in David Fry as pinch hitters. Uh, and fortunately, here in the seventh inning, it, Freeman doubles, but then David Fry can't drive him in. I believe he flew out to right field. So instead, it's the Royals who add on and, and expand their lead in the seventh and eighth inning by tacking on runs off our bullpen. Uh, throws Michael Kelly out there again. And then uh, even De Los Santos gives up an unearned run. I believe it was an error on Tyler Freeman uh, that lets that run come across the score. So, uh, yeah, uh, I know a lot of the emailers are pissed off uh, that Francona put this lineup out there. And it just it doesn't feel like and Quan gets the day off. And so Brennan's leading off. Um, not not a huge on base percentage guy. So uh, he does the classic thing that he does, where if he replaces you in the lineup, then you hit in that spot of the lineup. That's Francona is not going to take the time to erase left field from the top of the leadoff spot there. Uh, So it it was a disappointing lineup to start the day, and it showed. I mean, they were pretty ineffective uh, in this one. So honestly, that's all my thoughts. Uh, This game sucked. Uh, Kansas City kicked our butts this entire series. Apparently, uh, they've won seven of their last eight. I think their their play by play guy said at some point during the the con, you know the condensed game, the highlight reel. Um, so I give credit to Kansas City for being on a hot streak to end their season. I, it gives them something to maybe look forward to. But I mean, their pitching is still a disaster, an absolute disaster. So they've got a lot of good young hitters, but they've got to find a way to support them. Uh, uh, Josh Naylor does have two hits on the day, including a double and does come across to score on that Jimenez single up the middle. Uh, Naylor, it is incredible that it's a shame that he's not qualifying for any, any of the MLB, uh, batting stuff because at 311 with an 852 OPS, he's actually up there with some of the best in baseball with some of the best in the American league, his 311 batting average is third would be if he qualified he doesn't have enough at bats he's only got 421 at bats so it doesn't qualify for like a batting title or anything like that but he would be sixth in all of baseball and third in the american league behind Corey seager and yandy diaz uh in tampa bay that's that's pretty nuts like i didn't you know you forget sometimes that naylor is having that good of a season um as far as OPS goes, uh, at nine, uh, at eight fifty-two. Sorry, at eight fifty-two, it would put him tied for nineteenth with Cattell Marte uh, in all of baseball. Pretty impressive. Top twenty in all of baseball when it comes to OPS. Uh, pretty impressive stuff from Naylor there. As far as RBIs go, uh, for some reason he qualifies here. He's tied with a bunch of guys for 21st in all of baseball. So uh, nearing the top 20 in RBIs there at 93 RBIs. 
uh, in theory, has a chance at a 100 RBI season. I mean, if if the Guardians put together some good rallies here in the uh, in the last week, has a chance at a 100 RBI season for Josh Naylor. So, uh, yeah, there, there's some impressive things going on with Naylor uh, in this lineup. So it was nice to see him continue to hit uh, despite the Guardians' offense. Not, I mean, they put up eight hits, but absolutely not their best effort uh, in this one. Uh, and, you know, falling behind 3 nothing did them no favors in that first inning. So, uh, all right, that's all my thoughts. Let's let the emailers vent a little bit here. Uh, Bob in Highland Heights, his email is titled Pitiful. He says, Davey, I know, I, he says, I was golfing today and got the notice that the lineups were available. When I looked, I was disgusted. Straw, Tana, and Gallagher is simply not even trying to win. Voila, two runs. I don't know what Tito's game is, but prioritizing winning is not it. Then there is Matt Moore gone and Kelly pitching. Why, Lord, why, if winning is all a concern? The Guardians should offer a refund for all remaining game tickets sold. You know, Bob, I, if you're buying a ticket for the last week in September, I think you kind of know what you're in for, right? Uh, you're there to get that uh, that last giveaway of the season. I don't think you're there to watch... Uh, I don't know. Maybe some people do buy a ticket for the last week in September, anticipating uh, a playoff run. I, I, I think most people that have tickets are just there uh, for one more day in the sun, uh, one more one more game before we wrap this thing up and we suffer through the long cold winter. Uh, so yeah, uh, Bob and Highland Heights very uninspired by this lineup, and I, I can't blame him. It it is very disappointing to see those three names in the lineup and then look at all the names that are sitting on the bench and think oh, why why marlin also uh very angry after this one he says hi davy this was an embarrassing this was as embarrassing of a loss the guardians have had all season and this isn't hyperbole we might as well play uh i do not know this song santo and johnny sleepwalk today because this describes the guardians effort today for the royals no Salvi, no Fermin, no problem. Cleveland enters the series 7-3 versus Kansas City, but will finish with a slight 7-6 edge. It's been our problem all season, Marlon. We have not been competitive against the American League Central, and uh, we needed we need those wins. We need those division wins to uh, to boost our record, and we didn't get it this year. Uh, the, he continues, the lack of focus and fundamentals is the most disappointing and glaring part of the season. All season, they've had defensive miscues, base running blunders, poor situational awareness, and hitting situations, but today it was pathetic defense. Three errors shouldn't be made in a three-game series, and they made that many in today's game. Uh, and then he, he he is still pissed at this front office. He says, every spring, I always look forward to Cleveland baseball starting, but thanks to Dolan, Antonetti, and Chernoff, they've completely taken the fun and joy away this season. This has been the most disappointing and boring season since at least 2012. I have to fight to stay awake when watching them play. It's very easy to doze off when watching such boring games. Uh, you know, as I don't know if it's uh, how boring this season is or the fact that I got a one and a half year old running around the house, which is just exhausting. But yeah, I've definitely fallen asleep on the couch many, many times uh, this season. So I'm with you there, Marlon. I'm probably more chasing the one and a half year old around the house. Uh he says, Davey, I know you said to wait and see what moves this front office makes, but truth be told, I don't trust them to address this glaring holes and issues on this team outside of the frugal patchwork and free agency by scraping the bottom of the barrel by signing lower-tier free agents and a host of non-roster invitees. 
You, me, Jeff from Columbus, Jeff from Palo Alto, Bob from Highland Heights, and all Guardians fans deserve better than this. I can't wait for the sorry season to end. Uh, he says, Josh Naylor had a pair of hits, and Himmy and Straw both drove in runs, but I'm hoping there won't be an MVP for the day. With the way they played today, no passion or effort, they don't deserve it. Marlon and Birmingham. Uh, so, scathing emails uh, from both Bob and Marlon. Uh, I know. I, I know. We say this every offseason, Marlon. Every offseason, we go into it thinking... This is the year that Dolan and Antonetti and Chernoff are going to make the right moves in free agency. They're going to add that big power bat we've been waiting for, and they're going to fix this offense. And they never do. And I'm fine with the non-roster invitees uh, to fix the bullpen because, I mean, they've taken guys like De Los Santos and they've, they've fixed the bullpen with them. So they know how to make that work. Uh, but offense, they still... Uh, Bell and Zanino were plan B, plan C, plan D. They were not plan A for fixing this offense. They did not succeed in plan A. And so, yeah, they did have to go down and find find somebody uh, that they could afford, uh, whether it was trading prospects away for, for Matt Olson or just money, someone they could afford uh, in Bell. And it didn't work out very well for them. Uh, I I don't know why we have hope that they're going to go out and actually fix things this year and bounce back next year. Uh, or are they just going to continue to rely on developing the rookies that they have? Uh, are, are they not going to give up on the rookies they have like they did with Will Benson, like they did with Nolan Jones uh, and, and Yandy Diaz and, and move on from these guys too quickly? Um, are they actually going to ride it out with some of these rookies? Uh, I think you could do both. I, I think I think right field is just begging for somebody who can hit with some power to come in and save it, and then you center field too maybe. But then you can you can make center field work with what you've got on this team, right? Valera and I heard somebody talking about on Guardians Twitter Valera and Loriano platooning in center field and you bring in someone to play right field and Quan is your everyday left fielder. And that, that might work in an outfield uh, as Brennan with your, your fifth outfielder, maybe like uh, we know the spots where they need to add and the spots that they need to fix. Uh, the first thing I would do in the off season is send Cam Gallagher packing and never call him again. I mean, unless you, unless you want someone to come back as like a, you know, a bullpen catcher or something like that. I'm not picking up the phone for Cam Gallagher again. Uh, I mean, that, that that already makes your team better. Uh, and frankly, you have to decide what you're doing with Miles Straw. It's just, it's not good enough. I know Francona thinks that leaving him in in the ninth inning is going to magically turn into something every game. And of course it does in this one. You realize he hit a double in the ninth inning of this one with two outs. That's only... Uh, See, it's not a high leverage situation because it doesn't move the win probability line. You're down four in the ninth inning with two outs, and then he gets the double. That's the point. It's a low leverage situation. That's the and I don't know if Francona understands that. Uh, he's he's gonna say, "Look, Miles Straw got a base hit in the ninth inning. That's why I leave him in there every ninth inning when the game's on the line." Ah, uh, frustrating stuff. But uh, it's probably not going to be Francona making those decisions. They're they're planning a video tribute for him. They're giving away like sweatshirts that say "Thank you, Tito" or something like that on them. 
So uh, it's not official yet, but this thing with Francona is coming to an end. And so is this podcast. Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You know, Marlon, I am giving MVP on the day to Josh Naylor. I, he did. He did have a multi-hit game with the double. He did come across the score. He was trying. He was putting in the effort offensively. So I'm giving Naylor MVP on the day. All right. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final after the sweep by the Royals. It's the Kansas City Royals 6, the Cleveland Guardians 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know what confidence level you have heading into this offseason. Are you optimistic like me, or are you feeling a little pessimistic like Marlon is? Uh, we'll discuss it on the show. So uh, thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.